I mean, I'm in my house, so I can't be much better. We've had guys on in the car, guys walking around. Uh, <laughs> really? Guys who don't guys who don't own a computer. Yeah, you'd be surprised how many people don't own a computer, Ryan. Is that like Ronnie? Uh, that no, no. Actually, he, I, I actually he has a computer. I'm because he posts a lot of pictures of him on his computer, staring out at okay. the sun. Someone asked how, me why we haven't had him on the podcast yet, Saba. He just moved to uh, to Laguna Beach, and he texted me like over the weekend and asked if he can come to my gym. So he worked out at my gym over the weekend. Is that the he, first time you'd seen him in a while? Actually, I wasn't there. I, I was. Oh. I was doing something with, with a bunch of videos, creating like a new course that I've been working on for a while. But uh, apparently he lives here now, so I'll probably see him more often. He said he's going to come come work out more often. That that picture I posted last night that said uh, we got to get Ryan Fisher on the podcast, um, I, it's pretty cool because I, I, from all my years of working at CrossFit, I have a 100 terabytes of videos and pictures. And I just typed in Ryan Fisher and bam, I had a whole selection of photos. I had a whole selection of photos to choose that I'd taken of you. And, uh, when I posted it, um, Ronnie responded right away. Hey, do you want me to reach out to him and get him on the podcast for you? He's all, you guys will have a great conversation, <laughs> which was, which is really cool of him. I like it. when He wanted me to talk to you way back in the day when all the stuff went down. Like he was like, you got to go on. And I was like, I was like, I'm happy to go on. I don't, I don't think he wants me to go on. I, I have, I have, I have, uh, I have no issues with you. We, CrossFit did. I think that was why well, I wasn't allowed on. Well, well, that's for sure. Um, and and not CrossFit um, in its totality. Although it's really amazing how people are. I'll, I'll start with this, and then we can backtrack if we want to get into more details. The, it, the story kind of bores me a little bit, but I'll, but I'll tell you this just for the sake of for me Same. and you. To, <laughs> it's to my story. It bores me. <laughs> every, every every podcast I ever go on, you're like they always bring it up. I'll tell you this part just to sort of clear the air. So th there was an incident where, uh, first of all, you have to know something about um, Ryan Fisher. Ryan it, and Elon Musk said it in the Saturday Night Live interview, and I've talked about it extensively with Matt and Josh on that podcast. By the way, do you know Brian? Ryan, I feel like you guys he looks know each other. I, yeah, I don't think we've met though. I think okay. we're, you know, probably just by Brian. Their name. Brian is, for, um, in in my opinion, and I think in the opinion of most people, the greatest ana analyst of the CrossFit games and the CrossFit athletes that's ever existed. Not only is he a coach, but he's freakish with numbers. He's like that kid in junior high who just reads the back of all the baseball cards. <laughs> and although we don't have a lot of games athletes on here, well, we did do a few shows. We met on Instagram and we did do a few shows together um, for the CrossFit games. And I thought he was wonderful because he didn't talk and I got to be the center of attention. So... That's why he's the co-host of the show. So basically, um, for people who don't know, um, Ryan, um, and you can see this just by going to, to his Instagram, he doesn't do anything um, halfway. He doesn't do anything 90%. He does everything 100%. Um, you can see that by the number of times he's pushed himself so hard in workouts that the wheels have come off the bus. And um, his goal was is to win and be the best at what he does. And clearly from every single post, and I, and I mean that with all seriousness, you can tell that like he's one of those guys um, who could write the book on be present every day and get he, he wants to win at life. He does not want to look back and have any regrets. And um, you can tell by what he's doing. And because of that, there's a intensity to him that people who aren't striving for that level of um, life living, um, 
that it's going to seem weird, but it's going to seem weird to any, if you hang out with any of these people who are giving their best with they're they're not normal people. Um, and, and everyone has that potential. He's just set himself free to do it. That being said, there was an incident where he was at the CrossFit regionals. There was, um, with many athletes, if, if not all, there was a kershuffle with the, um, kershuffle with one of the, square. with the, <laughs> with the, uh, with one of the referees in a dispute and it got turned into a, um, public incident because then Dave addressed it with Ryan and we posted the video and it turned into like, you know, a drama and, and, the, and, and people love drama. So, so it caught a little bit of fire. That being said, immediately afterwards, I worked on the media team at CrossFit Inc. at the time and I wanted to, and there was also a similar incident with Ronnie Teasdale that did not happen at a CrossFit event, but it was a similar incident and the two of them worked out together and I knew they were going to both be at this Del Mar regional, which was one of the greatest regionals of all the regionals. It was such a fantastic venue with great athletes. And, um, I wanted to, uh, what the following year, I wanted to do a piece on Ryan and Ronnie, and I wanted to focus on them because that's what I did at the events. I would start on day one and sort of tell the trajectory of their story. And Tony Budding, who was the head of CrossFit media at the time said, absolutely not. We're not giving people attention for bad behavior. And I never saw it as bad behavior. I saw it as, Hey, this is just the competition floor. Like this is just, this is, this is it. There's athletes, there's judges, there's people who want to win. And so they wouldn't let me do it. Well, flash forward a few years and I became the head of CrossFit media. And the first thing I wanted to do was do a piece on Ryan and Ronnie. And I could do it because no one could tell me no. And so, um, that's sort of, that's sort of my take of the incident. And then, and then that year I did try to do a piece on you and Ronnie. Um, and I started to, and, and I have to tell you as a filmmaker, it was scary, right? Like, I don't know, how's, how's Ryan gonna, how, how are Ryan and Ronnie gonna react? Are they gonna be like, fuck you. We don't trust you assholes. You already burned us once by posting all those videos. And Ro Ronnie was game and he went along. And I think like after day one, or maybe during day one, at some point you were, you looked at me and you're like, uh, uh, we're not doing this. And so you, I, and I think that was the only time I maybe had, f had met you. I don't think we've had any interaction besides that. I remember just being really mad at regionals. I think you were trying to talk to me and I was like, I mean, like my, to me, my life was over. Like I had put my entire life into it and to not go to the games. And like the, I think you might know, a lot of the other people probably don't know that like I had literally just gotten done with, you know, being like homeless and going to jail for stealing and like literally having absolutely nothing to my name. And the only thing I cared about was going to the games to be able to create a life for myself and for it to all go away in just a matter of seconds. I mean, I think I still got like fourth or fifth place at that regional and I, and they gave me dead last at the deadlift. So I think I worked it out where it was like, even if I got like, in the top 20 in that workout and I would have won it. It was my favorite workout of the, of the whole weekend. Like I would have went and it would have changed everything. I feel like once you go to the games one time, like CrossFit's like, Oh, this guy's super cool. And like, you get like special treatment from there on out. Did they, and, did they give you dead last because of, of the interaction you had with the judge? No, they like, just like, Oh, they just weren't, weren't, they would just wouldn't uh, like count any of my reps. <laughs> Even when I was exhausted, tired, I'm like doing singles and they're like now and I'm like, oh my God. So I've heard, I've heard yeah. plenty of complaining about the refs. I do a podcast with Josh and Matt and it seems to be like one of their um, favorite uh, topics to complain about the refs. And, and, and 
it, well, you I, have like I, two I, different I, kinds of refs. You have the refs who's like, you know, they're they're like scared of the athlete and like embarrassed to to say the right the wrong call. And then someone's like, oh my god, did you see that? They did that to Matt Frazier, or like they did it to this person or that person. Or you have the opposite, who's like, you know, I know no one's going to no rep him. So if it's even borderline, I'm going to no rep him. So you just Why like anyone. You know what I mean? It's like you just have like yeah. this weird. I don't know. And, I, and I'm sure a lot of them probably remember my incident. So they're just like, well, I want to make sure I do the right call, and blah, blah, blah. So I don't know. I feel bad for the people, to be honest, but you volunteered. Right. <laughs> would you want to be a ref? Have you ever been a, have you ever been a judge? Why would anyone want to be a judge? I've been a judge, but it's only because no one else can judge. And they're like, hey, we need you to be a judge. And I'm like, damn it. All right. Uh, Ronnie, uh, Ryan, I was going to call you Ronnie. Ryan owns Chalk Performance Training. Um, He's the host of the uh, Real Chalk podcast. And he has a very impressive website. He's a very impressive platform. Um, If nothing else, you should check it out. Um, Of all the training programs that I've looked at and – and, and like dug through the way he talks about his is it looks like it is the most fun. It looks like it has an amazing worldwide community around it. And it looks like, um, he's honest about what he's giving and what you can get out of it. Fitness, a beautiful body, um, diet, nutrition, all, all the things. And he is, um, he is more focused than most in the CrossFit community on wanting to look good. And I think wanting to look good is really, really important. I don't know if life. he's more focused. I think he's just more vocal about it. A lot of people okay. are focused on that, but don't talk about it. Your turn. I think right? that was like one of the things about me as an athlete that kind of like worked out for me, right? Was like, even though I didn't get to go to the games and do really well, like I always wanted to, I always had like this freakish body that everybody always liked. And every time I would compete, they'd be like, oh, this is my favorite athlete because he just looks like a fucking you know, Ninja Turtle or whatever, right? Like people always had different names for me and such, but I always knew that that's what people like. So I was like, well, I'm going to give them what they like. You know, that's a true entertainer in the, in the, in the sports space, right? Like, you know, a football player does a certain dance at the end of a touchdown or a basket, you know, freaking LeBron's got his like chalk thing or whatever. Like everybody's got like their thing. And I was like, well, if you guys all like the way I look, then, Maybe what I'll do is just start showing you guys exactly what I do all the time. And that's kind of how everything started. Like, I remember I was actually dating this girl at the time and she was a model for like a big fitness brand. And it was the first time I had ever seen, I had ever met someone who was getting paid just to take photos on Instagram. I was like, you get paid a hundred thousand dollars a year just to take photos of yourself. And you only work like three days a week. And like, just do photo shoots like this, like it blew my face off. I was like, this is insane. And then she's like, you want to come to a meeting with me? Like all these people are going to be there. And I look them up on Instagram. They have like 2 million followers and this insanity. And I'm like, sure, I'll go like, not because of them, but just, I'm happy to go and just, you know, meet the people you work with. Um, so I get there and all these kids start rolling up in Lamborghinis and Ferraris and Rolls Royces and all this shit. And I'm like, Nikki, what the fuck do these people do? And then they're like, oh, well, they do this and they do that. And like this person sells programs or whatever. And I'm like, wow, like I didn't even know that was possible. Like you're talking about some serious cash. Like I, like how much money do these people make? 
And then she was like, oh, my, my one friend there, like, I know she makes like $50,000 a month. Like, and, and like, I remember the numbers coming out of her mouth and I just was like, this is insane. And I think at the time I had like 10,000 followers on Instagram. And after that meeting, like literally every single day, I would just like analyze these people's profile. I would, you know, watch everything they did, how they sold their things. I'd go to their website and I just like would really dissect all of it. And I was like, well, there's nobody in the CrossFit space doing this. And yes, I'm extremely self-conscious to say, hey, like you guys should buy my program or, you know, I'm going to sell this. And I wasn't like Rich Froning. I didn't win the CrossFit Games. I didn't really feel like I had the validity to just the validation of just being like, hey, I have the best program. You should buy my thing. So I was definitely a little bit insecure about it. But I was like, hey, I, I, I do really love this. And what would I do if I did win the CrossFit Games? I would probably you know, sell programs. I would probably do what I really love to do since I was a little kid, which is, I've just always been obsessed with nutrition and training. And I went to school for kinesiology. Like what else am I really going to do? So I was like, swallow your pride and swallow the, you know, whatever you think is embarrassing or, and just fucking go for it. So I remember I started selling books and just making all these different things. I didn't know how to fucking make an ebook. I just like put a bunch of workouts together that I was making for my gym at the time turned it into this PDF and was like, you guys can buy this. And it started to make a whole bunch of money. And it was crazy to me. It was actually so crazy that a lot of big time CrossFit athletes actually messaged me and they were like, Hey, like I see that you're doing this and I see that you're doing that. I was like, wonder if you could help me out. And I messaged a lot of them back and I'd be like, this is actually the first time I ever talked about it on a podcast. I, I remember messaging back probably like 99% of them and being like, you know what? I remember you and I don't like you. And I remember that you didn't like me and I'm not going to help you. And I made it like very apparent that I did not like them. And the way that they had treated me during that time was like, I remember it. And there were some people that I was like, I will absolutely help you. I remember you and you were fucking awesome. Did um, anyone apologize when you said that? Was anyone like, Oh, I'm sorry. You're right. Oh, they just straight up didn't even write me back. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it, it's, it's, if I was to tell you the names, you'd be blown away. Like some of them are like the bigger, bigger names. Um, I'll leave them alone, but it's just interesting. Like a lot of people, I feel like that's the thing that CrossFit really did bad for their, for their athletes is they didn't really give them enough opportunity to be able to build their own brand. And it kind of sucks. Like someone like me, like, I don't want to say I got lucky. I, I tried really hard and I, you know, I was uncomfortable. There was a lot of, and I was in that moment at those meetings with my ex-girlfriend where I saw what was actually possible. I think a lot of people don't put themselves in scenarios to see what's possible. I always say that networking is one of the greatest things you'll ever do. Um, even with the podcast, like you're going to meet people that you probably wouldn't normally get to talk to if it wasn't for the podcast and a conversation will arise where you're like, Oh wow, I never knew that. Or, Oh my God, he, he knows this person. Like he's talked to Dr. Nick and Dr. Nick's like, Oh, I got it. You got to get Ryan on the podcast. And just like, it's a snowball effect. And, um, yeah, I just feel like if had none of that did happen to me and I just was like every other CrossFit athlete, like I, I lived with uh Kenny leverage for most of my CrossFit career. We were good friends and he's like still trying to be a fireman. He's still trying to get into like that whole pipeline of, of stuff like that. And he's been wanting to do it for like his entire life. And he was one of the top CrossFit Games athletes. And he was just an amazing athlete, an amazing person. 
And he doesn't have nearly as much to show for it as a lot of other athletes who never even went to the games. And that just like really bums me out. Like I remember training with him and like how hard he worked and everything. And I'm like to look at him and not see him have something great is like kind of a bummer. He also had like an any, amazing, he also had an amazing yeah. physique. His physique was ridiculous. Yeah. It just uh, sucks, you know? <clears throat> yeah. Um, couple things uh, you opened up a lot of cans there what happened to the girl what happened to the girlfriend you said your ex-girlfriend what happened to her um well we we broke up she went and hooked up with some random guy and got pregnant okay so that's that's a pretty solid exit exit. um to sum up the story quickly it it was also going to be an extraordinary challenge for you to make the crossfit games because of your size right no i don't think so no, how how tall uh, are you? Five five. Oh, okay, okay. You know, there's only nine percent of the male population is five five. Like at five really? six. Really? Oh yeah, yeah. At five six, you're in a whole. I'm five five also. At five six, you're in a whole different category. All of a sudden, it's like, you know, like eighteen percent. I mean, let me ask you this: How many people do you see on a daily basis who are shorter than you? It's rare, but like honestly, rare, I don't even notice it. I don't. I barely ever notice it. I like, don't notice it either. I, well, you're we're proportion good. We're proportion good. If you're five five and you're not proportion good, you 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 you're you're really fucked. Like Ryan, you can when be you, six when two you were, and have a weird torso and weird legs and still look normal. But if you're five five, like all your shit's got to be like. Sorry, Brian. Sorry. <laughs> when you when you were competing, how much did you weigh? Uh, anywhere between 175 to 180 pounds, and I still weigh that. Okay. Yeah. No, it's, it's definitely uh on the lower end of the statistical spectrum of what you'd expect to see at the games, but it's not unheard of. Who, who, who's been five, five has gone to the games, Brian. Five, Dan five, Bailey, Dan Bailey, Josh Bridges. I think, I think Fraser's our height. He might say it's, it's more, but I've seen him in person. He's literally just like the same. <laughs> right. I know it's, it's funny, dude. It's, it's actually crazy. Like he was always listed, I think at five, eight. And ever since he retired, everything I've ever seen is said five, six. Yeah, you know, I think they're just embellishing the stats. So I don't really know, but I do know the stats based on what's listed on their games profiles, and the average is five nine and a half. To you know, generally, yeah. When when I look at when I look at all the pictures of you, and I look at your physique, I I don't see any of like the spider veins or any of the things that um, show steroids. And of course, since my body looks nothing like yours, I want to accuse you of being stuff. (laughs) But you have this fucking picture of yourself before you were. I was down. too poor to even buy them. But <laughs> <laughs> and to be honest, I after the after the Dave Castro incident, I probably would have definitely done him and come back and been like, fuck everybody. But I knew that if I ever failed a drug test, he would just completely light me up. There's a picture of you on your Instagram. So so you have some massive quads in respect to the rest of your body. And but there's a picture of you um, in a Halloween costume where you, you I mean in the photo you look like you're six four three hundred pounds but um, you're I think in the photo you say you're two hundred and ten pounds and you're in a mm-hmm. Halloween costume with these short shorts and your quads <laughs> are massive even bigger than they are now I mean they're, they're just way um, bigger than yeah yeah it's crazy um, it, who who did you get those from are those from your mom your dad like how does that how do how do you have those. <laughs> It's tough. I mean, I mean they are my, massive, right? They, they they rub when you walk, right? 
Oh, for sure. That was a just abomination of life at, at that point. <laughs> <laughs> that was when I was on the Olympic bobsled team and I was a skeleton athlete first and I really wanted to do bobsled. And I was like a hundred, I couldn't really break like the 190 pound mark. So I just started like literally like every single night I'd go to Whole Foods and ask the guys right before they close up if I could buy a pizza for like five bucks. Cause you know, Whole Foods is like $5 for a slice. So I'm like, you know, it's the end of the night. What are you guys going to do with this stuff? And then like every night I would just walk across the street. I live right there in Park City, Utah. And I'd get a whole pizza pie every single night. And I'd eat that like every night. And Did you I, need to be I'd heavy to be on the team? Do you need to be yeah, heavy so to be on the team? You had to be at least like 195 or something like that. And, but it's always beneficial to be over 200. So I eventually got to 208 pounds with my biggest weight. But where I got the legs from, I'd say probably like a mix from my mom and my dad. My, my real dad, I'd never met until I was 24 years old. And he's, he was like, he's like stocky, but didn't have the same legs at the time. Seven, can I ask us, or I'm going to ask a selfish question, I guess, because I don't think it applies to a huge percentage of the population, but it's very real for me. And I'm sure there's other people that it's real for too. I can't gain weight. Like I try really, really hard. And like one of the kind of conclusions that I've come to is I have to, I have to, like, I can't eat enough healthy food to gain weight. So don't Do eat think, healthy food. So don't eat healthy food. That's <laughs> it. That's the advice from the nutritionist. <laughs> No, like honestly, anybody who tells me like they have a hard time gaining and I watch what they're eating and it's like the most nutritional thing on the planet. And they're like, oh my God, I have to eat like fucking 87 bananas and like 10 pounds of ground chicken for this to work out. It's like, well, stop fucking eating ground. Like if you look at bodybuilders, they like, they're like eating cereal, like <laughs> legitimately, like they're eating like bowls of cereal. They're eating like, you know, during their bulking phases, sometimes like fast food. Like, I think that you can do it better than that. But you're going to have to have like some processed stuff. It doesn't have to necessarily be like fast food. And then I was, you know, I was curious because uh, for most of my adult life before uh, starting CrossFit, really, I was like, comf- like my just comfortable weight was like 150 pounds. And over the last five years or something, I've been able to get up to 165. And that's like kind of comfortable for me now. And I feel like that's just like now the new weight that my body's comfortable with. And you're... I mean, experience, if I started eating more of that, maybe processed food or slightly unhealthy food and was able to put on another 10 pounds, is the, do you think the body is capable of like adapting to that new weight and then maintaining it if you, if you went back to eating primarily more of what you consider healthy food? Yeah, I think so. Like, I think once you get to where you want to be, it's always easier to maintain. Like, I think that the biggest thing that people have is just getting to over that hump. And a lot of things that people do wrong is they're like, dude, I measure my food. I do everything right. And like they do it for like three or four days out of the week. And they feel like they can just say that, but you fuck up like two days out of that week. You're talking about trying to gain like a pound a week. You're not gaining like a pound a day. So like, you know, the weekend comes and maybe you program for your gym all weekend and you have like one glass of water and a fucking handful of almonds for the whole day. But you're like, you tell everybody I ate perfect all week. And now all of a sudden that day is so bad that you just fucked up the whole week. Or like that one day where someone's peer pressing you like every single day, like hour of the day, like, come on, let's go drink. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden you give into that. I just got really drunk over the weekend. It was like a seventh year anniversary party. And I felt like shit for like three days now. That definitely fucked me up. But like, 
things happen, you know, like these, these, these like small little things happen. I call it like the basic bitch syndrome. Like all the basic bitches are all like perfect all week. And then the whole weekend's just like, you know, fucking, what are those, what are those drinks that people have? Like what, what's like the weekend, what's the weekend drink? It's like, what is I it? You, I don't think either seven or I, or I drink. I'm out of the game, but, but, but I used to always get, if you're talking about like the sugary drinks, I used to always get, what's the, the a Moscow mule. I used to just drink, oh, just Moscow crush mule. Moscow mules. Yeah. Well, like every Sunday, like girls drink this. I can't remember what the hell it is. Brian and I don't, Brian and I don't know. Look at us. Brian and I don't know. Yeah. Mimosas. Mimosas. It's like the mimosa thing all weekend. They're having mimosas and blah, 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 blah. And it's like all of a sudden everything that you did all week is pretty much gone because it's, it's very small incremental changes. Well, Savan fasts once a week. So you would not recommend that I fast once a week? Absolutely not. (laughs) I fast 36 hours, but I'm also 49 years old. You don't have the same goals as me. Right. Yeah, and that's what I think. That's what Ryan talks about a lot on his. Well, when I, I don't have any goals. His his Instagram. Like <laughs> None. Goals, you know. A goalless man living life. That is a dangerous man. <laughs> Someone fucks with you, you're like, "Hey, bro, I don't have any goals in life. I will fucking kill you right here." <laughs> I don't know if you understand this right now. Like, I live for nothing. <laughs> Brian, how tall are you, Brian? Five ten. Oh, oh yeah, that you're that's skinny, that's skinny. Well, actually, when I started CrossFit, I was five ten, one thirty five. So I've, I've, I'm still skinny at one sixty five. But <clears throat> have you ever measured your calories every day, though? Yeah, I went. I uh, I used to coach through the OPEX, and I had a lot of personal clients, and I also had a personal coach. And so for six months, I was like regularly tracking my food. I didn't want to continue doing it forever i wanted to use that as an opportunity for me to learn so that now i generally know if i eat this it's about this pretty good estimation and i have a good idea but i i strive to eat at least 3500 calories a day and um but a lot of times i'll eat like 60 percent or more of that uh, after 6 p.m at night that's Mm. just how my days generally go yeah that's hard to do not if you just eat a pizza every night (laughs) Uh, Ryan um, did you at some you you mentioned earlier that you had gotten caught for stealing you know there's a statistic that says like I think it's like 85% of the people in jail don't have fathers Um, they grew up in just in just homes with um, with moms which is interesting because a lot of people like to blame it a lot of people like to talk about race and and all this stuff. But uh, when you look at those statistics of who's in jail and who does well, the primary statistic of who does well, like the one that trumps them all is the fact of how you were raised as a child and, 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 and whether you had a dad at home. And I, and I only said whether you had a dad at home, don't get all upset women. It's not a dig on women. It's just the fact that it's usually the dad that bails. Um, did you, what was it like growing up? I mean, I, I know it's all, you know, but what was it like by your mom and you have an older sister too, right? Dude, I have like nine brothers and sisters. Oh, shit. A lot okay. of people, I don't talk about them because I don't talk to anyone. But um, I, mean, I talk to them here and there. And I, I, I think that, you know, like when I went on the Scott McGee podcast one time and I like talked about like my whole family life and like exploded in the CrossFit realm because I was like the first time because everyone always knew me as the super intense person. And like I'm crying in like half the podcast because he asking me like all these questions that I didn't even know that he would ever know the answers to. And he's like a fucking FBI agent, just somehow just like 
just drove me into like these weird little corners. And I was like, shit. So he's, he's really a, good at his job. There was a point during the podcast where I was like, dude, how the fuck do you know this? And he's like, I talked to your mom. And I was like, what? <laughs> so anyway. I did, I did not talk to your mom. I just saw, I just, basically the two things that inter- I thought was, cause it is, does interest me a lot is the fact that you, you're very clear on your Instagram that mom, your mom is very important to you and you were raised by her. And then I did see, I went all the way back to 2011 in your Instagram. And the only picture I saw was of a beautiful young lady, but she looked significantly older than you. And you said you, she was your sister. She looked like okay. she was 25 and you looked like you were 10 or something. <laughs> um, yeah, like my, my, my family, you know, we're all like very, very different. Um, I grew up in a house with five brothers and sisters. And then when I was 18, I found out who my dad was. And then when I was 24, I actually met him for the first time. And then he has four other daughters. So there's like this whole big giant shit show of all of us. The five brothers and sisters that I grew up with, we all had different dads. And then as I was growing up, I remember just like feeling a little bit weird because my one brother, we had the same last name and I used to always just assume that his dad was my dad. And my mom told me that that was my dad. And like, I just always assumed that that was my dad. And then he wasn't, I found out when I was 18 cause I was like real sad. I was like, man, why doesn't dad ever come see me? Like, why doesn't he ever ask me how I'm doing? Like, why don't I ever get a letter? Like, why don't I, you know, get a phone call or whatever. And and I I got little things here and there, but not nearly as much as my other brother who, where it was technically his dad. And then one day I'm getting my haircut. My sister owns a hair salon and I'm asking her all these dad questions. And she's like, I just got to tell you that like, this guy's not your dad. Mom's going to fucking kill me. But I just, I have to tell you this. And I remember sitting in the chair being like, I'm fucking dreaming right now. This doesn't happen to normal people. And I wasn't fucking dreaming. Like I literally was like, I'm for sure dreaming. And I I wasn't. And then I remember just like having to figure out all these things. Like, who is my dad? Like, what does he like to do? Like, what does he look like? Like, where's he from? Like all these different things. And it was kind of like a hush hush thing. Nobody really wanted to talk about him kind of thing. And um, I think because that had happened to me, I think my mom always kind of felt, and I think because she didn't really know when she was going to tell me about it. I think she always gave me like a little bit of extra, like a little bit extra attention when I was little, a little bit extra, this a little bit extra that my brothers and sisters were always like, called me like baby Jesus or something like that. I'd always have, my mom always liked me a little bit more, but I always did good things. Like my other brothers and sisters were always like real bad. And I was the youngest in the house. So I'd always see all the bad shit that they did. And I didn't want to be like that. So it was just natural to me instead of wanting to be like them, like most brothers and sisters, even if they are bad, you kind of follow in their footsteps. I just knew I was like, these people aren't that cool. Like I want to do something way cooler than whatever they're doing. So they're probably probably really, really uh, proud of you. I mean, I'm the oldest one and I fucked up a lot, but my youngest brother, my only brother is five years younger. He never, he hasn't made any of those mistakes that I made. And I'm like, kind of feel good about the fact that if my mistakes prevented him from making those mistakes, like that, it was worth it. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, maybe my brothers are on a little bit different levels than yours probably. <laughs> and I don't mean that in a, in a, in a, in a jab way. Like my brothers are like, one of them's like a drug dealer and you know, 
one of them has a lot of issues and different things. Like we're drastically different. Like any I can of them spent right time now, in jail? Any of them spent time in jail? Significant amounts of times, both of them. Oh, well, that makes sense statistically to what we were saying before. So, yeah, I think like, but my mom, like once I got to the point where like my mom knew I was good, like she just always supported everything. I think that's like the best thing she ever did for me was there, there was a lot of times where she was like, yeah, Brian, you want to go ride your bike to fucking like, I'd be like 12 years old and get a flat tire on my bicycle. And I had like a prepaid cell phone at the time. And I'd call my mom and be like, Hey mom, I have a flat tire. And like, and I'm, this is where I am. And she'd be like, that's a literally a 40 minute car drive away. I have no idea why you were there. You must've crossed all these main roads and all these craziness to get there. And I'd be like, well, I just heard there was a bunch of cool jumps over here or something, you know? So she just, she kind of just was like, go live your life and kind of figure it out. And on top of that, whatever you want to do, I'm probably going to say, yeah, you can probably do it. Uh, because I was just like, so outside the box, like for me to even think I could ride my bike, what would be considered a 40 minute car drive away. Like that was normal to me. I was like, oh yeah, I could do that for sure. And Actually, depending on where you live in California, it might be shorter on bike. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> yeah. This is in New Jersey though. There's like seven people live there. So it's totally, totally different scenario. Um, but you know, what's crazy is, you know, I grew up the way that I grew up. All of my brothers and sisters are very, very different from me. Nobody has grown up to be the way that I am. And when I met my dad for the first time when I was 24 years old, and granted, I'm not who I am today, but at that time I was, I was still who I am now. Just, I didn't have all the things yet. And, uh, like, and, and by all the things I didn't mean, like I didn't have my business or anything like that yet, but you could tell by the person I was that I was going to be fine. And I was, you know, about to be on the Olympic team and all these different great things. And when I met him, we were the exact same person. And I'd never met him my entire life. I left. Two of you were the exact same person. Same exact person. Like we played the same sports in high school. We both moved out of, like I moved away from New Jersey when I was 18 and moved to Utah. Oh, sorry. I moved to Hawaii first. I was a helicopter pilot for a little bit. Wow. And then I moved out of, that was when I was 18, moved to Hawaii when I was 18. When he was 18, he moved to Florida, opened his own business. He has a super successful business, you know, works like a hundred hours a week and all these crazy things. And when he eventually got money, he bought all these crazy toys like dirt bikes and quads and fucking all these just crazy shit. And I have all that stuff. And you know, the things he likes to do in his free time, like he does Ironmans and does like all these different things. Like we're literally the exact same person. It's insane. And I never even met him. And if you were to look at my other brothers and sisters and their dads, none of them are even remotely like us at all. And I didn't even see these types of things growing up. Like I only saw bad stuff growing up. Like my brothers were dealing drugs and doing drugs. And, you know, my, my friends weren't like that. Like I didn't even have any friends to look up to when I, where I went to school where I was like, Oh man, I want to be like this kid. These are just like a natural intuition that I had. And I want to be exactly like the guy, which I think just blows me away. It's just crazy. How old are you now? 34. So, and, and when were you home? How old were you the last time you were homeless? I wasn't like truly, truly homeless. Like I slept in my car for like three days and then I slept on some people's couches that I didn't know. Like I didn't know who they were. I was just in their house, that, like all awkward, the, awkwardly. Yeah, that's homeless. Could, how how, yeah, how long was that? Um... 2000 
12 to 13 range. So not even 10 years ago. Yeah, my life's crazy since then. <laughs> yeah. Um you'd mentioned the ebooks earlier by the I recommend anyone who's 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 interested in fitness and nutrition books to go over and take a look at them. It's a it's there's 24 of them and they all look amazing. I didn't actually click through them, but it's quite <laughs> the array. It's amazing. You can just keep scrolling and scrolling and and you've published a lot of stuff. And congratulations to that. And I love hearing I I have a similar story to you, but I was I was on a, a slower trajectory, you know. At 34, when I was your age, I found CrossFit and that's when my trajectory started headed up, headed upwards. Actually, it probably started a little bit before then. Um, how did, how did you find CrossFit? What, what was the first time you came across it? <laughs> so you're going to love this story. So when I was training on the bobsled team in Utah, in Park City, I used to work out at this gym and I was the gym attendant at the gym where I would just clean equipment. This, is, this was my college job. So I've been in a gym literally my entire life. I mean, I started working out when I was 12 because my friend's parents owned the gym in New Jersey. And I was just in the gym all the time. And then here we go. I'm in college. I get a job at a gym. Anyway, I remember being in this gym and there was this guy who was training like four people at a time, like in a little group setting inside the gym. And the gym that I was working out at, it's called Basin Recreation Fieldhouse. And it's in Park City, Utah. And we had like an indoor track, an indoor turf, like a not a, like a legitimate soccer field inside. It's like a humongous place. And there was a gym inside. So you had just had all these different areas of recreation. And this guy, little super skinny guy and tiny, but like ripped. Uh. Training these four people. And they're always doing crazy shit. Like I remember seeing the butterfly pull up. I remember like people doing farmer carries and like people like dying and I'm like watching them and I'm like, what the fuck are they doing? Like sometimes it looked cool. And sometimes I'm like, that looks dumb. Like the, the kipping pull up thing, just like it was, too, <laughs> it, was, it was too much for me. And this guy would always come over to me and, and ask me to do this workout. 21, 15, nine thrusters and pull ups. I want to see how fast you can do it. And I'd be like, no dude, that shit's dumb. And like, he would see me every day cause I was working at the gym. And one day he's like, I'll give you 500 bucks. You can beat my time. And I was like, oh, okay. The person I'm talking about is Chris Spieler. Uh-huh. I so, that's awesome. Yeah. I remember seeing Chris Spieler before he even had a gym. Like, this is when he showed me a video of him going to the CrossFit Games in the dirt doing deadlifts and, and, and stuff like this at the, at the ranch. I didn't know what it meant. He's showing to me on his phone. He's like, look at this thing I did over the weekend. And I was like, cool. Like, I literally had – I felt nothing for him. I'm like, oh, you went and did deadlifts in the dirt somewhere. Great. Um, I didn't realize how big of a deal it was. I literally thought it was like nothing. But anyway, I was like, all right, I got to beat this guy's time. It's 500 bucks. It's a lot of money. So I remember my first workout was Fran and I did all the thrusters unbroken, like super fast. And then I do the pull up and like, I had no idea I'd do a kipping pull up. So I'm basically just doing like a regular pull up and I'm like frogging and like just flailing around trying to get my chin over the bar. I think I finished in like four minutes and 30 seconds or something like that. Wow. Wow. Which, which wasn't bad, but I had never no. done an intense workout. So check this out. After four minutes and 30 seconds, I proceeded to projectile vomit for about probably two hours. Like I'm not even trying to make anyone on the podcast laugh right now. Like I was probably had legit rhabdo. Like 
my arms were stuck like this. I couldn't even like open my water bottle. I was so fucked up. I was like laying on the stairs. Like I was so fucked up. Chris wasn't there by the way either. I did this on my own. Cause I was like, I'm going to do it. And then I'm going to do it again in front of him. So he can see that I could beat him. So I was like, Oh my God, I, I can't never do anything like that again. That really fucked me up. And then like a week went by and I was like, watch well, it, try it again. So I did it again. I think I got like 340 this time, a little bit faster. That's incredible. That's incredible. Same thing happened again. Vomited, threw up, blah, blah, blah. I was all fucked up again. And like another week went by. I was like, I'll try it again. And this time I decided to like throw some, some other stuff in there to make it so I could train for it. So I did 2159. I did the thrusters, the pull-ups, and I did deadlifts at 225. So I just like put it all together. I didn't know what the heck I was doing, but I was like, if I could do this, got to make that easier. Right. So did, did that. And the same thing happened again, man. I got all fucked up and threw up again. It was wow. all fucked up. I just kept like putting myself through torture. Um, but then when, when everything was over, the, the, the whole Olympic dream and all, and all these things, I wound up getting really injured and messed up my hamstring and a bunch of things happened. And um, I was like on the Olympic team and then just never got to go because I was hurt. And then I was like, well, I'm a great athlete. I have a helicopter license. I should go in the military. So I started looking into like pilot careers and being a great athlete. I was like, well, maybe I should like be an athlete of some sort. So maybe I'll go in and be like a Navy SEAL or something like that. And I remember like looking into all the special forces branches. And then during that time, a friend of mine was like, well, you should just do CrossFit. Like you should go to Spieler's gym or go to someone's gym. And I moved down to Salt Lake City to be closer to the university because I was just graduating and Spieler's gym was too far then. So I went to this other gym and my very first day I walked into this gym and you know, Tommy Hackenbrook. Yep. So my very first day was walking into his, his gym. Wow. So I'm just like in like this Mecca of athletes and I had no idea who any of them were, but I do remember walking into his gym the first day and it was like an intro class. Like you weren't allowed to the real class. You just did this intro and he was coaching it. And I remember as I walked in, he just looked at me like, like the hottest chick in the world just walked in. He just was like, Oh yeah, this dude's going to be good. Cause we he talked about it. He wanted to. Re- oh my God. He was, <laughs> I remember seeing him. He, I remember just looking at him and he was like, Oh fuck. Yeah. Cause I was like 185 pounds at the time. I'd like lost some weight from, from the bobsled stuff. And I was doing like more CrossFit esque style stuff. And I was like super ripped and just insanely fit. And, um, I, you know, I, I did the workout that he wanted us to do. And I like destroyed the workout and he's just looking at me like, like, who are you kind of, kind of thing. And, um, I was like, well, is that, is that, is that like a good time that I got in the workout? And he like points over to the board. He has like a record board and he's at the top of the board and I got the same time as him. Awesome. And then I, and I'm like, are you, are, are you good? <laughs> like, I don't fucking know. And then he's like, I got second place at the CrossFit Games. And I was like, oh, yeah, this guy, Chris, showed me that. He's like in the dirt doing shit. Like, are you there at that thing? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> so um, he starts explaining it to me. He's like, dude, like, I'm like one of the best guys in the world. And I'm pretty sure you will be, too, if you just kind of hang out with me and work out with me. And I've never had anybody like you. So I'd love to have you be part of the gym. And then um, he tells me how much it costs and all these things. And I was like, holy shit, it's like 200 bucks a month. There's no way I could do that. And he's like, well, I'll let you do it for free. If you just come and work out when I work out, we won't do classes. We'll just work out with me. And I was like, all right, I'll do that. And then I started working out with Tommy. And before I knew it, like 
I was in, a, if you look up like some of the old articles back in the day in 2011, my first regional was in Denver. We had to drive from Utah to Denver at the time of Southwest. And uh, I mean, I was in every article as like this new freak of nature who was going to come on the scene and kill it. And what's really, really funny is I never had any idea how to compete. I had never done a competition. So like, I wasn't ready to get a no rep. I didn't know that you could even get a no rep. Like I didn't even like, I didn't understand so many things. And my very, one of the very first events was a thousand meter run, 30 handstand pushups and a thousand meter row. That was the workout, which now is like a joke. But I remember going over to the wall, laying on my stomach and walking up stomach towards the wall and doing handstand pushups that way. And they were like, dude, you can't do that. And I'm like, well, I can't do them any other way. Cause I was, I was, <laughs> I was too scared to, to hop up and flip. Like genuinely, like it just terrified me. I was like, hell no, I'm not doing that. And, uh, I, I mean, I tried and I just like could not get my body to do that motion. So I was like, I'll just walk over on my hands. I'll be fine. And, I, and I'll be good. And, and from there on, like I, like my entire experience, my first year of regionals was, was completely ruined, but that was how the whole thing started. To, to, um, I really like Tommy. I felt like Tommy was maybe one of the most underrated best guys out there. He, whenever you got to see him perform live, he was a freak of nature. Did, did it seem like that? Did you enjoy working out with him? He had a couple things about him that were like very, very interesting. Like I remember when I first started training with him, he was like, dude, you're too strong. Like, like you don't even need to, he's like, you don't even, cause I was snatched. Like at the time I could snatch like, like 265 and, and like Rich Froning was the best in the world. And I think that he was, everybody was getting really excited about him doing like a 225 snatch. It was like a really big deal. And I remember his, his max back squat was like 365 and I was squatting 500. And then like all of my lifts were super, super hot. And then he's like, dude, you don't have to, all you need to do is get conditioning down and like get muscle ups down and all these things. So he gave me this program. And to this day, I have it in my office at chalk. It's on the board and I have it pinned up. Cause it's just like, I just look at the program and it just makes me like more mentally strong. Like <laughs> it's I'm, telling, I'm telling you, like there's, there's no like lifting on it. It's just like every day I'm on the assault bike and I have to do like these crazy challenges. And it went on for a month and he wouldn't let me lift any weights. But I did have a key to the gym and he doesn't know that like I'd go in super late at night sometimes and I would do like, just like little stuff, like kettlebell swings. Like I just wanted to touch some weights. But when I was in the gym, he wouldn't even let me He'd be like, you're just going to do this. And there was this one time where I had to do 90 minutes on the assault bike for max calories. And if I didn't hit like a certain number, if I didn't get like at least 1500 calories uh, on the Schwinn Airdyne at the time, he was like going to think that I was a piece of shit. So... I had never ridden in a, a, an Airdyne for more than like, I don't know, five minutes maybe or something like 90 minutes just to even be on it sounded yeah. terrifying. And, and I had to go all out for 90 minutes. I had like gel packs and like a bunch of water. Like I fucking think I might've made a sandwich or something had it next to me. Like I was like, this is going to be serious. So I sat down and like for 90 minutes, I got 1500 and something calories and um, which on the Airdyne was a little bit different, but Still, it was a very, very impressive score. I remember telling him, he's like, that's good. And like, that was it. But uh, 
yeah, like I had to, I had things like that to do like every day. And I remember just being like, oh my, like I remember showing people like, this is what I'm doing today. And they'd be like, dude, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's a month, that's a month's worth of time for most people on the assault bike, 90 minutes, not one session. Oh, that's a, that's it was 30 nasty. days. This month, I want you to get 90 minutes on the assault bike. Um, do you and still throw up at all? Uh, no. Okay. Sorry, I interrupted you. And then you went back yeah. and what happened? I say I went back and did all my lifts and I was still was just as strong. I didn't lose any strength, like he said, which was terrifying for me. I really thought I was going to lose a lot of strength. I, even though my lifts were so far ahead, I still wanted to have them. Right. And um, yeah. It's crazy. Was, this phenomenon is something that's actually, I mean, I've seen it play out at the games. I think Spencer Hendel's the best example. He was consistently like 20th at the games or something like that. All of a sudden in one year, he's fifth place. And everyone's like, well, what'd you do? He's like, I didn't lift weights last year. I was strong enough. He's like, yeah, but you only got eighth on the lift at the games, not first or second, like usual. He's like, I know, but I didn't have any places lower than 28th. I used to yeah. have five of those every year. And I, I coach people all the time. And it's like, and I mean, I'm, I'm not there, like, they're not hiring me to coach them. They're just at the gym training or whatever. Some of them have their own coaches, but I tell them, I'm like, you don't need to be doing bar muscle ups every week. You're amazing at bar muscle ups. Stop doing bar muscle ups. Go yeah. for a run. <laughs> like, but not everyone wants to do that. It's so easy to do the stuff that you are already good at. So that's a good, I mean, it's funny these swings and whatever. You're like, I just needed a weight in my hand. But it's cool that you were exactly. at least able to yeah. listen to him and say, okay, I'll do what you say for a month and see what happens. Yeah. There's, it's there's hard. two things. It's hard. Go ahead. No, you go ahead. I would say it's hard. It's hard to know what to do in the CrossFit sector. So like, you got people like Ben Bergeron or OPEX or any of these people who think that they know the formula, right? Like they know the formula, They're like this is what you're going to do. And I have the best program and blah, blah, blah. And I fucking think that they're all a crock of shit. In my opinion, I'm not going to tell anyone right now that like one of these guys aren't smart, but like, let's be honest. Like the people who won the CrossFit games went to CrossFit New England before they won the fucking cross. I mean, like, like during they won the CrossFit Games, basically, right? Like Matt Frazier's first time at the CrossFit Games, he got second place. You know what I'm saying? And then he like worked on it or whatever, and someone gave him a couple workouts here and there. But if we're being honest, he probably would have won anyway. Rich Froning, first time at the CrossFit Games, gets second place and did all his own programming and this and that, and then wound up winning on his own. Like Ben Smith was like training with a fucking rock covered in tape doing wall balls back in the day and been doing all of his own stuff and nothing he really does make sense he works out all day every day rich was the same way um a lot of these people like people want to talk about cj martin over at invictus and josh bridges walked in this guy's door you know what i mean like all the best athletes in the world are just walking into these people's doors and I, I will personally argue the fact that like you could give them almost anything and they're probably going to be who they are. Like Tia Toomey as well. She was already insane and then went to New England. Like there's, I mean, again, I'm not taking anything away from these coaches. I'm sure they're great and they, and they have something, but you look at the people who win every year when they win for the first time. And a lot of times they're like creating their own programs. Miko, you know, Miko's another one. Miko's another one, like, or it Rob maybe Orlando, someone, Rob Orlando. Yeah. Maybe you get someone who literally did follow a program from someone by the book and they did really well. But the majority of the time it's the person who's like, 
Oh yeah. I just did like the class wad and then like you did this extra lifting and then this and that, or like, I don't fucking eat or like all these ridiculous, crazy things. And all of a sudden you're the, you're the, um, you're the underdog watching the story from the outside. You're like, well, that's what I'm going to do. I'm just going to lift fucking everything all day. And it's going to get me to where I want to be. And you're probably right. I think that overtraining is realistically what you're training for, for the games anyway. So, you know, interestingly enough, there's a durability factor. There's a strength factor. There's an experience factor. I think the experience factor is way, way, way underrated. Like, you got to know how to get that in an article, actually. Really? Yeah, it's uh, probably coming out later this week. But <clears throat> I to completely agree with everything you're saying. I tell people at our gym, I mean, I coach at across the gym. It's my full time job. And I tell them, I said, look, the programming we have here is not the optimal programming for anyone in these classes. It, but it's pretty good for everyone, you know, yeah. and then you work with your coach to make these adjustments. And how many hundreds or thousands of people do comp train and how many of those people win the CrossFit games? or, you know, or even close to competing to being able to go to the CrossFit Games. It's a small number. It's not an optimal program for anyone who's doing it, but it's pretty good. You're going to get fitter yeah. and whatever, but each person is going to have, have to have some variety in there if they really want to maximize either their potential or, well, maximize their potential is really all they should be striving to do. You're just not going to beat Tia no matter how hard you work. She's got something that you don't have, and I don't know what it is, but she has it. Dude, she let's talk about the new, the, the new kid, Madero's. Yes. Well, I think this is a great case study this year because he's basically said, all these athlete camps, that's not for me. I'm going to do my own thing. And I have a feeling that he might beat most of the people <laughs> in the camps this year. I just want to fucking party right now so hard. I just want to like, I just want everyone to know, like, it's a fucking crock of shit. It's just, it's, it's a brand name, right? Like this fucking hoodie could have been, I could have made it 60 bucks or I could have made it $10. Like, it depends on the, you know the materials I want to put on it, but I put this logo on and all of a sudden it's a motherfucking Gucci hoodie, right? Like we got Gucci brands out there with people's names behind them. And all of a sudden the workout's a Gucci workout and it's a Gucci workout program. And like all this stuff is happening behind these brands. So like if CompTrain is so great or OPEX is so great or Invictus is so great or whatever, why didn't the next Madero's come from one of their programs? You know what I'm saying? Like, and again, someone's going to listen to this and be like, yo, Ryan just called everybody out. No, I didn't. I'm saying that these best athletes in the world were fucking born to be the best athletes in the world. Like if we're being honest about even my own life success, I wasn't born to go to the CrossFit games. I was born to start my own gym and start my own brand and inspire people in a different way. And I'm okay with that. I look back and I'm fucking pissed. I didn't go to the games and I'm pissed. I didn't get to accomplish some things. But I think I'm actually happier with where I'm at now. And I'm, I get a lot of people that reach out to me and they're, you know, inspired by what I've done. And I, I, and when I really reflect on it, I'm like, you know what, this is what I was meant to do. And I feel like I'm, I'm fucking cool with it. But at the same time, I, I think when I talk about these things, sometimes people have something to argue. And then all of a sudden you have someone like Madero's just comes out and it's like, there's the thing I was just fucking talking about everybody. Like I'm so pumped that this is what keeps happening. And I think, it's just for the people out there who they are the underdog and they want to go to the game so, so bad. And they think that they need to follow a specific program and they need to do this and they need to do that. And it's like, you need to, you need to understand yourself as like, you're like a race car. Like 
you know the race car needs really good gas. You know the race car, you know, needs to get a tune-up every now and again. Like, you know what your weaknesses are. You know what you need to work on. Like, if you're strong as fuck and you ask these people for a strength program, why? Like, you're already doing something stupid. Like, you just, you need to honestly, you need to be, like, honest with yourself and work on the things that you need to work on and and grow from there. When, when people talk about their secret programs, always like what Bridges says, he goes, Oh yeah, I know your secret program. You do CrossFit, you know, <laughs> like they, they complicate it and they, they'll go on these long, like 10 minute talks of all the shit you do. And Josh will be like, yeah, yeah. CrossFit just to fuck with them. Like, yeah, pe- people, I, I, I agree with what a lot of your, a lot of what you're saying. I would, I will say this. You go to the store and you buy a new pair of shoes and then all of a sudden you're like inspired to run a couple miles, right? You're like, okay, yeah. I bought this new pair of shoes. So I'm going to run a mile every day for the next hundred days. And, and so that I can justify spending this $130 on this pair of shoes and blah, blah, blah. So th- that doesn't, um, I'm not arguing anything you're saying. I think it complements what you're saying, but like, yeah, if you're going be honest, it, it doesn't hurt to be honest with yourself that, yeah, if you want to get trained by, um, Ryan Fisher, if you want to do the truck performance training, and, and you even actually say it in a lot in a lot of your materials, hey, the most important thing is to find the training program that works for you. You're not like, hey, come over here and do mine. You're like, no, no, this is what you need to do to find the best one for you. And so once you find that one, you're right. Like, be honest with yourself. But if it does inspire you to work out with Ryan Fisher, then 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 go to chalk training, right? You want to be surrounded well, because, by other great athletes and et cetera. When all these brands were popping off and, you know, and I think I was one of the first ones to really start doing like the paid online programming. But for me, I could have, especially as an athlete, gone straight into the athletic, like I train athletes type of thing. And instead I went straight into like, I make fun workouts that are cool (laughs) for like everybody. I I like purposely did not even want to touch that sector because I knew that like, I didn't want everybody in my gym being a bunch of gym rats, like in the gym all day, every day. I wanted to give people like great results in like an hour, the way that it was meant to be and move them on. And then as I got more injured over time, not, not from the sport across it, a million percent, not a lot of people think that like my knees and stuff are all fucked up from that. I, my knees fucked up from a snowboard accident and from all these ridiculous things I've done back in, in the day. And anybody who knows me knows that I, I, I ride bikes everywhere. I fucking climb mountains and I fuck myself up on all sorts of different things. But anyway, as that started to happen, I started to do less Olympic lifting and more like bodybuilding movements, but I loved the conditioning part of CrossFit. So I started creating this thing that was called like high intensity interval bodybuilding that everybody got really hyped on. And it's really just like no Olympic lifts, mostly just compound lifts mixed with cardio. And if you look back into the old studies, there's a guy named Pat O'Shea from the seventies. He created like true, like interval weightlifting which is where a lot of the information came from for Greg Glassman to create what we have today as CrossFit. And it was a big reason why you have people like Jim Jones and Greg Glassman who fought back in the day because they're like, Hey, well, you didn't really create this. This is something that already happened. And like, they got an argument and Greg's like, well, I want to go fucking make this other thing. And then, you know, it just kind of like got a little bit out of control because they were like, well, if we do this really fast and really hard and we use these movements, it's going to give us this result. And then it just got like a little bit more out of hand, a little bit more out of hand. But the true, basis of everything was the true interval weight training articles from back in the day. And that's what I put the bodybuilding stuff into. And then, um, 
I just started to create different types of workouts. And I think a lot of the stuff that I have nowadays, I have this other thing now called full body aesthetics where you lift every body part every day, but in like low volume and it spreads out the volume for each body part throughout the week. And I think that's, it's kind of like what I turned into being known for is I, I invent all the programs. If you follow one of my programs, I'm the only person that makes it and then knows how to make it. And it's mainly because I've been in the gym since I was 12 and I've, I've seen, I have, I have case studies in my head. Like I just like, I have seen so many people go through so many programs and I've even at this point in my career where I have, you know, thousands of members online that I'm training and I've sold fucking, I don't know, like a hundred thousand bucks or something insane. I still go to my gym every single day. That makes me like no money. And I spend tons of time in there and I hang out with my people because that's what I really care about. And because I'm there so much, I still see, you know, what the workouts do to people every single day. And like, I'm constantly like a lot of people don't know that like every single workout on the chalk performance training app that I still create to this day, I am the only person that makes every single workout for all five programs every single day. Like most people think that that's impossible to do, but I still do it every day on top of everything else. And I've tried to get people to, I've tried to get people to help me and I look at their workouts. I'm like, this is terrible. I just, I don't even, I don't even know what to tell you. Like, I don't like the way that I look at the workout is just, it's just, it's so much different than other people. Like I have an entertainment factor. I have a results factor, like an aesthetics factor. Like I look at the week differently. Like I, I know how someone's going to feel on Wednesday from Monday. And I know how they're going to feel going into the next Monday from the weekend. And like, there's just, I know what all of it feels like because I did all of it a 10 million times and I've watched 10 million people do it. And I've had 10 million DMs from people telling me an excuse about something or a complaint about something. And I think about all of that on every line. I'm like toes to bar. I'm already thinking about someone's fucking compliment. Like, compliment. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like <laughs> my hands are going to hurt. My back's going to hurt. If I do those two movements back to back, like, there's no way I can get that much work done in two minutes. Like I, I know all of these things and it's so hard to be able to teach someone that. What is skeleton? You, um, you said you did skeleton in the Olympics. What is that? That's head first down the bobsled track. Oh, wow. It's the one that everybody's pretty much terrified of. Wow. Okay. So there's the, there's feet first and there's head first. Mm-hmm. Who the fuck? Ironically enough, the head feet first. first Ironically enough, the feet first one is actually the scariest one out of all of them. Because it's the the sled that you're on, the luge, actually has the least amount of control. And because you're on your back, you you can really like barely see. When you're on your stomach, you can see pretty well. And the sled that you're on has a lot of control. So even if you just did nothing, it would it would do a pretty good job. But you still want to get into the turns and kind of like start building a little bit more momentum. And then with the bobsled, I think to me, that's the scariest one just because I literally have flashbacks in my head of like, you know, I'm in the sled. I can't see anything. I'm not the driver. And you just feel like, boom, boom. And then all of a sudden you just don't hear any noise at all. You're like, I'm about to crash. And then when you crash, your fucking head's like hitting the sidewall and you're just like dragging. And then like that moment of being in the air though, like knowing you're about to fucking crash is the, just the gnarliest feeling in the world. Does everyone crash while training that sport? Pretty much. Like as soon as you start 
you're like, Hey, I want to like get into this. They're like, all right, we're going to put you with Bob over here. Who's like, you know, fucking like the worst driver ever. And he just needs someone to be in the back. So you're like basically a crash dummy in the beginning. It's terrifying. And people have died <laughs> doing that, right? Didn't someone die at the Olympics once? Didn't a, uh, a, a bobsled or a skeleton come off the track? The luge did. I'm telling you, the luge is the scariest one. Man, is there a little window down there? Your head, are you on your stomach? You're on your stomach? You're on your stomach. You're probably like an inch or two off the ice with your chin. Um, and then I think the, the scary part is, you know, the track that you start at, they start you at different levels. You go like halfway up, three quarters up, all the way up. So you know kind of what you're getting into. But when you go travel international and you're about to be in an international race, they don't let you do shit like that. Like you're not allowed to have training wheels. It's like you're going off the top, bro, and you're you're going. And I, I remember all, I was in well, are all the courses the same or all the courses the same. No, they were so much different. Oh shit. That's what I was going to say. I went to Canada one time and I was in Calgary and it was negative 40 degrees outside, which is actually negative 40 Fahrenheit and Celsius. So I was like, damn, this is super cold. And you go down in a one piece speedo, which is from the speedo brand, which is meant for people to be swimming in. So it has absolutely no warmth at all. Like we're talking negative penis on a day, like negative 40. So like I get out there and I go down the track and like, I like, I like melt into my sled and I look up and I'm like, I let my air out just cause like, you know, I'm nervous. And when I did that, I fogged the whole screen on my on my lens, on my, on my visor. And I went down my first time in this, on this track in Calgary with absolutely, I could not see anything at all. And I remember going around this one turn and I came out and I came out so hard that I just literally shattered my hip on the wall. I hit it like so hard and just like, I shouldn't say shattered. I got like a hairline fracture and I like moved one of my ribs is like permanently in a different spot right now. And it's like all from that hit. And like, that was like my, First, like, you really, think they really you think they'd have the technology so that the the screen wouldn't fog up? There's some way <laughs> the, around the visor. That. Yeah, it was so cold out. It was just so cold. Um, are you single? Because mm-hmm. I don't see any girls on your. I went all the way back to your Instagram to 2011, and I don't see any any significant others on there. Maybe I just them, but. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've had like, I've had some pretty awesome girlfriends for most, for pretty much most of my life, to be honest. Um, and then just these last like three years, I haven't really. It's funny you bring up like the five, five thing. Like my last girlfriend was like five eleven, and she's like this beautiful, like Swedish blonde girl from Utah, just absolutely completely utterly out of my league. And then the girl before her was the girl, Nikki, who was the model who was another just beautiful girl. Uh, I've been lucky. I've definitely had, definitely had some great girls in the past, but um, it's funny. Like I was broke and never had any money and always had all these amazing girlfriends. And like, now I have like a multi-million dollar house and like fucking $200,000 car. And like, I like live in this cool zip code. And like, since I bought my house, since I bought my car, I haven't had one girlfriend. <laughs> it's funny. It's funny you say that. <laughs> I was speaking to Jason Kalipa yesterday and I didn't really want to get into the details of it, but my, yes, when I was completely dirt broke and poor, I had the most amazing girlfriend life. It was, yeah, 
it's people don't even don't even know like yeah they think you need the ferrari before the girls you do not yeah you do not um do you do you not have time for girlfriends anymore you sound like you're extremely busy i am pretty busy i feel like i'm not any more busy than i've been i used to like every single girlfriend i've had for the last like 12 years has been from inside of a gym like i met them in the gym they were like a coach at my gym like there's like there's always it's always someone that i meet in the gym and i know that's not the best thing but that's just where my people are at um i haven't been spending as much time in the gym like i used to because i was in there 24 7. so now i just go in i do my workouts i film i hang out for a little bit and then i leave and i think that's and then the rest of the day is me at home like making videos or i'm a real big fan of like i paddleboard like almost every day or i ride my bike or i do something but um you know it's hard to get someone to be like to want to come out and ride their bike or paddleboard like in the middle of the day like at like one o'clock on a tuesday you know what i mean like people almost who nobody, have j-o-b people yeah have almost nobody can do what i do so I, I i find myself just being alone a lot um it's interesting you say that about not it, it it's always been a frustration with me they say you shouldn't um be be uh what's the word fraternizing with uh people in your workplace you shouldn't be sleeping with people in the workplace or dating them but what but what do they expect what do, i even what tell my employees expect? we're like i tell my employees i'm like dude yeah I'm like, it's probably going to happen. Like, let's be honest. Would I prefer it not happen? Absolutely. Can you do this for me? <laughs> Can you try as hard as absolutely possible when it's over to just be as cordial and as cool as possible? Like, I, I need you to go into it with like, hey, if this ends, it's going to be cool. <laughs> right. That's a good idea. You mean like if two of your trainers start having a relationship or one of the clients like, hey, don't bring your drama in here. Like, be smart. Yeah. I already, so that's what I tell them. I'm like, Hey, I get it. I've been doing this for a really long time. All I ask is that you try as hard as you can and just make it a cordial ending type of thing. The worst thing I've had happen so far is I had two coaches. They no longer work there now where the one girl was married. The other girl was a lesbian. And then the one girl is now divorced and now with a guy. And then now the, the two girls are together. And then in the beginning, like I knew it was happening and nobody else really did, but I'd be like, Hey, I can see what you guys are doing in the gym. They didn't even, (laughs) they didn't confess it to me. They're like, what are you talking about? And I'm just like, listen, I know just like share a bowl of soap. God damn it. I know. (laughs) Yeah. Like just take it down a few notches because people are going to start talking about it. And eventually it happened. And that's not why they don't work at the gym anymore. It was for different reasons, but that's probably the worst thing I've seen happen so far. And unfortunately I wanted to just get rid of one of them. And like, I had to get rid of both of them basically because you know, they're a package deal now. Um, and, and Kenny leverage, are you still friends with him? Pretty close with him? Nope. Not at all. No. Did, oh, did you guys have a falling out? Unfortunately, he thinks that I said a bunch of bad things about him when I opened my gym and then he went and owned the other gym. And, uh, Oh, that sucks. I'm sorry. That sucks. Yeah. People bring it up all the time. You're like, why are you guys not friends? I'm like, this fucking guy still thinks I said bad things about it. I don't know what the fuck is wrong with him, but whatever. Was he was he fun? Did you like training with him? Yeah, he was great. Yeah, man, that sucks. Friendships are weird like that. Um, 
why doesn't the why don't gyms make money? Like when I look at gyms, I think, holy shit, why would anyone ever want to open a gym? This looks fucking hard. But so, so I'm not. I'm asking you out of just like let's talk about like you you're you're subsidizing your gym with your other with your other work. You're, it sounds like your gym has really turned into a place where you personally train, but it's also your laboratory, right? You don't, yeah, you, yeah. you don't keep your gym open to make money directly off of it. Yeah. So I could care less if the gym does make money for the first time in a long time. Now I actually do because I have two managers now. There's like an operations manager. And then there's like a, you know, the personality manager kind of thing. I like to call it. And, um, like, I really want them to make money. So I have been focusing a little bit more on some projects to get them to make more money, like some doing some ad campaigns and showing them how to do different things that I'm really good at for my online brands. And we're starting to, we're actually going to make more money this month than I've ever made in seven years. So that's pretty cool. Congratulations. Yeah, that is very cool. Thanks. And it's a very cool reason why you're doing it. It's really cool that now you're paying back, right? You're paying it forward. Like, okay, let's, let's do this for you guys. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Go on. I've got some insane employees right now though. Like like they threw me like a surprise seven year anniversary the other day. And like, I I'll, like randomly buy them really cool gifts and like people are like crying and stuff like that. Like, they're just like, they're like, as you know, like my family life wasn't always the greatest growing up. So I just feel like those are like my family. So I try to like really, really take care of them. Plus like without the gym, like I don't think my life would be that cool really. Like, yeah, like I can go travel and do whatever I want. And like, live the life I have now. But like, if I didn't go to the gym, it would be so weird. Like I'd have no friends. I feel like I have no vibe, you know, I'd go to like some other like film space and probably film the workouts and put them online and just be like, this is so boring, I guess. Um, but anyway, like, yeah, I, I, I think that, I think people just, they, they put numbers together. They're like, Oh, I could rent this space for $5,000 a month. I could get, this many members and I can charge them $200 and I'm going to bring home all this money. And it's like, well, you don't understand that. Like there's going to be seven girls flushing tampons down the toilet and you're going to have a $2,000 plumbing bill this month. You don't understand how much toilet paper they're going to go through and paper towels that they're going to go through and how much your electric bill is going to be and your insurance and the taxes where you live. And like, you know, one day you're not going to want to coach classes. You might even be in the gym paying people to coach classes while you were there, which sounds absolutely insane to you. Um, but like, just because you're in the gym doesn't mean that you're doing all the things in the gym. Sometimes just being in the gym is enough. Uh, and so you start to, you know, a little bit higher payroll happens and all these things start to happen. And, uh, I don't, I don't think people realize like you really are just buying yourself like damn near minimum wage job at the, at the end of the day, when you break down all the hours, you're actually there. You could make the same amount at like McDonald's probably. <laughs> um, I, I, I think I, I tell people all the time, like if you can open a gym with the, with the absolute certainty that this is just like the window shopping for everything else, it's a really pretty dress when you're walking through the mall and you're like, Oh, I'm going to go in that store. And then they get inside and there's all these other things. There's like an online program. There's like supplements. You have clothes, you have whatever you make them feel like they're part of something bigger than just this, this one gym. Then I think that you're, that you can create something great. But if you think just the gym is going to do it for you, I think the gym is actually going to strip you of any love that you have for fitness, to be honest. 
I think it's going to like literally make you never want to work out ever again. Oh, explain that to me a little bit more. Like it's because it's going to exhaust you. It's going to just, it's going to make you so tired. You're going to like, I remember like in the first couple of years of owning my gym, I was coaching like every class every day. And like, just the thought of working out in my gym was tough. I was like, fuck, I almost want to go work out somewhere else just so I could work out. Um, and like, <laughs> I, I remember like, like years had gone by where I couldn't even remember anything, but like what the inside of my gym looked like. I mean, I literally be in the gym at four in the morning, leave at nine o'clock at night and the whole thing would start over and over and over again. It never really, it never hit me how much I was in a gym until I went to a doctor to get like my blood tested. And it was like the first time I'd gone to a doctor, to like get my blood tested and like really get a full panel of all my stuff. I think I, I think some like sports nutrition person in town had basically like sponsored me to like figure out food allergies and all these things and help me become a better athlete. And when I got my blood panel back, the doctor was like, you literally have zero vitamin D levels. Like this is really bad. Like, do you feel like, sh- do you feel like shit? And I'm like, um, yeah, but I work like all the time and I work out a lot and like blah, blah, blah. And he's like, this is like terrifyingly bad. Like when was the last time you went outside? And I remember just thinking to myself and I was like, fuck, I live in California. I literally just got a doctor asking me like, if I go outside, how sad is that? That was like a pivotal moment for me to like really start living my life. Like now people think of me as like the ultimate adventure junkie. And like, I'm always outside. I'm always doing things. And when I started doing that, I was working out less and performing significantly better Mm. because I was so much happier. And like, did you go back and get your vitamin D levels checked? Did you ever go back and get your vitamin D? And and everything ended up being normal after that. And no supplementation, just get it out in the sun. I started with some supplementation at first because he literally was like concerned. Uh-huh. Um, and then once I built a routine to go out a lot more often, I stopped taking it and everything was fine. I think vitamin D is one of the things people have been talking about the last months to year. That's like you should, depending on where you live, you should be supplementing with vitamin D. Would you recommend that? Depending, I mean, if you don't live in California. It's actually the number one supplement right now that you could take to actually defend yourself from COVID-19 as well. Like they, or they you could just in- stop eating like shit. Oh, 100%. I have to always say that. I mean, you're coming from someone who like, I, we never had masks in my gym. I personally don't have the nicest things to say about this entire thing. But like in terms of how in serious vitamin D is like, there's studies that say vitamin D is like borderline steroid effects in athletes who don't have enough vitamin D levels. There's, you know, tons of articles with immune system where vitamin D is like one of the most important vitamins as well. I've also have, have heard that you can spend some time in the sun, but if you go in the sun, whatever, how long, and then the first thing you do, like within an hour of that is shower, you're actually not absorbing it. Like you need to go in the sun and then not shower or rinse yourself off or whatever for a while to get the sunlight's vitamin D. I don't know if it's true or not. And I heard sunglasses also for some reason. I heard that that you should spend time out without sunglasses to get proper absorption of that shit. I don't know if any of it's true. I don't give a fuck because I'm outside all the time. And I agree with you 100%. Ryan, it would be probably a great topic. I think this the worst thing that ever happened to this planet is COVID response. And... <laughs> That's actually and, fair. <laughs> uh, it, it's, um, it is a complete f- 
Pastor, uh, yesterday the CDC reported that 95% of the people who died had four or more, more comorbidities. I equate that to if we put Ryan Fisher out into a pool and have him hold four 45-pound plates and he starts drowning and we throw him a life jacket. No, you fucking idiots. Tell him to drop the four 45-pound plates. He knows how to swim. I mean, this is fucking insanity what we've done to our our planet and our people. That being said, someone DM me. Go ahead. <clears throat> Someone, let me everywhere. say this and then, and then you can let me say oh, yeah. this and then you can yeah. say the whole thing together. Someone DM me yesterday and they said you have to ask him about his gym during the COVID response because I'm telling you that place ran seamlessly. So it must have been one of your members or something that. Yeah, I mean, so a lot of people went straight into like online training and like they did this and they did that. And I was like, dude, fuck this. Like, I. Oh, so I felt what it was like to not have my gym during COVID. You know, that's actually one of the things that I am thankful for during, during this time was I had my online life, my fucking online program doubled. I was making more money than ever instantly. Congratulations. Um, I love hearing that. Thank you. And, you know, I had hired people and changed their lives. And like, it was great. I felt what it was like to be rich with no life. Cause literally I would go to the gym and there was nobody in it and I would film videos and such. I would go to the coffee shop and you're out in a fucking line where it looks like everybody has AIDS and you're fucking terrified of each other. And like, you're getting fucking AIDS coffee or something, whatever the fuck half the coffee shops aren't open. You can't go out to dinner. You can't go to the movies. You can't even fucking go say hi to someone or give them a hug. I mean, like it was so bad. And I think that without going to the gym, that's what my life would basically feel like. I would just be like, what am I going to do today? Like, I don't fucking know. So anyway, because I felt like that, I assumed that everybody else felt like that. And I was like, well, I'm not closing my gym. I'm, I think people need this. So I put paper up everywhere so it looked like we were closed. And I just fucking stayed open. And I have a video on my phone. I can send it to you if you want to post it for part of your... For part of your stuff, it's 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 the cops consistently just sitting there knocking on my window, uh huh, for like thirty minutes, and like we're inside working out, and I just like <laughs> I just told everyone to lock the doors and just keep on working out, and eventually, like as long as we don't leave or anything, like we're gonna be fine. And they just stayed out there and knocked and knocked and knocked, and like I have a video from the girl who owns the coffee shop across the street, and she gave it to me, and she's like, "I thought you'd like this," and they eventually left. And never came back. What a waste of our resources to have police officers stand in front of a gym for 30 minutes. mm -hmm. There's so many bad guys out there that need their ass beat. Go get them. Well, I guess you can't beat bad guys' ass anymore. I got two tickets for 170 bucks or something like that. Uh Uh-huh. And they wound up leaving them outside, like on the thing. They never never actually gave it to me. So I I still actually have never paid it because I didn't really feel like I needed to. But, um, yeah, I got two tickets during that time. I stayed open. I I literally only closed for one month and most gyms I think were closed for like anywhere between six months to a year. And then, um, about half of my members still paid even when we were closed for the month. And then I probably had about 60 to 70 ish percentage of my members, like kind of working out that next month. And then, I'm, I'm finally at the point now. It did take me a year now to actually get to the point where I'm going to make more money than we've ever made before. 
but people were kind of weird about it for a little bit. Like I lost members because I was open too, hundred percent. They thought that I was doing the wrong thing. And that that's fine. Like in the beginning, it was scared. I think, I think all of us in the beginning were a little bit scared. And then some people are just different. You know, some people takes a little bit longer for them to see the writing on the wall. And some people are adamant that, you know, they have their, their own personal view on it and they're never going to change. The very, the very first data that came out of China, the very first data from day one was that the vast majority, I forget what the numbers are now, I used to know them off the top of my head, um, who died were over 65 years old. They were men and they had been smoking for more than 30 years. That's who is dying in China. And when the second the news media said this thing kills old people, I was like, fuck you, you cannot say that. You cannot say something kills old people if the one commonality is they've been smoking for 30 years. Like, and the second highest demographic was women who lived with those men. Like, shut the <laughs> fuck up. And now, and now I see when the see someone reports 78% of the people who die from it are obese. No, no, you have that wrong. It's not, it's not 78, it's 87 or 98. Like, like I, I see what's happening. Like, you consume too much sugar and refined carbohydrates, you're, you're toast. Yeah. Your day of resting. And all you have to, and the cool thing is, is you don't have to take anything. You can just stop doing something. I'm just not going to eat that anymore. I mean, mm-hmm. there's a, there's one, there's one good way of doing it. I think I it's mean, cool though. It's, it's definitely emphasizing how important it is to be healthy. I think being healthy is going to be cool again, but at the same time, God, I hope you're right. God, I hope you're right. At the same time, the average weight gain over the last year has been 20 pounds and there's 10%. I read 29. I read 29 pounds for millennials, Ryan. So millennials, the top 10% is 50 pounds. Holy but, shit. But the average, the average is 20, it's like 20 to, to 29 pounds. And then the upper 10% of that uh, is 50. I want to tell you people out there who are listening, if you're over 40 years old and you're putting on weight, you're fucked. And if you're under 40, you better start losing it because your body's going to change and do it now while it's significantly easier. Ryan, do any, uh, do uh, are, are a lot of your members getting the vaccine? It, it really makes me sad because a lot of them really are. I have, it's, it's, I would say it's 50, 50 though. I wouldn't well, I say guess- it's like, the only reason I asked was like my, my follow-up was, do you talk to them about it at all? Or do they f- have confidence you to ask you about it? They don't really ask me about it. I just hear them come in They're like, oh, I got the vaccine yesterday or like whatever. To me, the vaccine is a crock of shit because you get the vaccine, you still have to wear the mask. You still have to like do all the things like everybody else, like nothing changes for you. And then on top of it, they keep coming out like every week with like fucking people getting third eyes and fucking dying and fucking craziness. Like, they, they yeah. just said that the you haven't really heard very much negative about the Pfizer one yet, but uh, someone posted something the other day that said they, they already think that Pfizer is going to start creating uh, Alzheimer's faster than normal. And it's like, wow. you guys don't know anything about this vaccine yet. Like, I don't understand why people are taking it yet. But we do know a lot about SARS that if you are healthy, I've posted on my Instagram several times, Ryan, I dare anyone to show me one healthy person who's died. Just show me one. And, occasion, and there's one kid out of New York that someone sent me to that may have been healthy. But my favorite is when someone shows me an Ironman athlete and they tell me he's healthy. And, and, and I look and he, like he's obviously immune compromised. He lives off of gel packs. And I'm like, and there's so few of those anyway that have died. But no, no one healthy has died. Not one. And then they turn to, well, the long-term effects. I'm 
effects are just based on the fact of how healthy you were when you got it or not. And 80% of people are asymptomatic. Yeah. 80%. <laughs> yeah, are you going to have, are you going to have kids, Ryan? Yes. And I actually think about the fact that if the girl had vaccine, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> wow. Oh, I love that. I'm genuine about it. Like I remember like recently there's a girl that likes me and I'm just like, man, she got the vaccine. I don't know if I could do it. And why, and why is that? What do you mean? Do you think that says something about her mentality? Like you're thinking, okay, she's not thinking clearly or she's bows easily to peer pressure. I just worry like what, what, what will be, what will happen to the kid? What will happen to her down the road? Like I just, I, it's scary to me. I, I think well, it's scary. Now they're starting to, uh, to, well, I don't know, permit kids to get the vaccine yet. Yeah, it was the saddest day in the gym for me yesterday, the day before this teenage boy who recently started coming there, he's doing great, making progress was like so happy because he's getting the vaccine later this week. And I'm just, <laughs> how old, how old was he? I think he's 15. They've approved it all the way down to 12. Well, maybe we can start empathizing with each other now. Where's they're they they're scared. They're scared of this uh uh SARS-CoV-2, although they're taking a vaccine that doesn't address it. They're only taking a vaccine that addresses COVID. And now we're scared of people who took the vaccine. So now maybe we can I'm scared of them. I'm scared of them. I used to be scared of girls with nipple rings, now it's girls who have vaccine. <laughs> Dude, I, I honestly felt it's crazy though. <laughs> I'm telling you, nipple ring is it. crazy. It's a crazy sign. And now, if they have a nipple ring and the vaccine, that's a damn near fucking <laughs> no, terrifying. I'm, I'm like, I'm starting to feel a little uh, alienated. I was in a class the other day, and people are starting to be more and more comfortable getting interacting with each other, sharing a barbell, whatever else. And they're like, yeah, well, we've all been vaccinated. Well, except for Brian. Oh, like, shit. Like I'm what I think is weird, I think it's weird how they're making it seem cool to get the shot. That's what I think is weird. Like, I worked out in 24-hour fitness last night and the night before just because I got done with work real late and I didn't want to be in my gym alone. And I go to 24 and, like, on the TV, it's like, I got my vaccine or, like, and there's, like, announcements that go over. Like, we hope that you get your vaccine and, like, blah, 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 blah. And, like, if you get your vaccine, like, we're going to give you some free shit. Or, you know, you're on the radio and like President Obama and Michelle are like, I'm Michelle Obama and this is President Obama and like, we're so happy we got our vaccine and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, since when have we ever been like super excited to get a vaccine? Like when the vaccine comes out, you either just decide to go get it or you don't. And now it's like the cool thing to do. To me, that just seems weird. A billion dollars they have budgeted for propaganda. They're paying Ryan. You could just go out and get the shot. They'll probably pay you twenty five hundred bucks if you post it on your Instagram. No chance. <laughs> um, tell me. I want to go to the nipple ring. Have you been with a girl? <laughs> with a ring? We, were this, we were talking about this. We were talking about this the other day in the gym. Ring. Me and the, me and some yeah. of the guys were talking about this, and we we've come to the conclusion that every girl that we were with that had a nipple ring. Was, was crazier than girls who didn't have the nipple ring. Do you have to work around that? Do you have to be gentle? Like, It's, it's debatable. Like I, don't want like, anything, I, I don't want anything interfering. I mean, you're with a girl, it's getting all romantic and hot, and all of a sudden she's like, ow. And you're like, what the fuck? I think that they're more, I think they're more into the painful things because they have oh, the nipple okay. ring. <laughs> okay, all right. Yeah, you're usually, you've gotten 
if you if you see a nipple ring, you've bitten off more than you can chew, most likely. <laughs> you should call a friend over. She needs you and your buddy. Yeah. The first Have time I had vaccinated. Let me see your nipples. Okay. <laughs> The first time I slept with this one girl was the first girl that ever had a nipple ring. And the first time we slept together, she... You lost your virginity to a girl with a nipple ring? No, 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 no. what you're no, saying? No. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> I was like, wow, that's some advanced shit. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the first time I slept with a girl who had a nipple ring, our first okay. time together, she came over to my house. She's like, I'm going to be there at like 11 o'clock at night. And I'm going to wear something special. And she came over and she had a cop outfit on. And like that was my first experience of a girl with a nipple ring. And then this escalated later on to other things. And then other girls that I had met had had nipple rings and equal, equally crazy. And, and it's they're probably great. The they're just, they're, they're great. You're probably just not going to marry them. Right. Um, <laughs> just like the vaccine. The first... They can be great, but they have the vaccine. <laughs> right. <laughs> We're going to get so much shit for this podcast. <laughs> No, no, it's good. It's good. <laughs> how, how, how do you get nervous when you do your podcast? No, never, never. I've said you, some fucked up shit in some podcasts too. But your own personal podcast, the Real Chalk Podcast, you're, you don't get nervous. You're not like like a few minutes before you. Do you have guests on your podcast? I do. Um, I, I only have like maybe thirty something on mine right now. But I did like two hundred episodes with Barbell Shrugged. Okay. And I, I still think about like grabbing some of those old ones and just posting them on, on mine just so I have them. Right. But they're just like, you know, I don't know how relevant they are anymore because they're so old now, but. And Barbell Shrugged was mostly, it was the group of you talking together. You didn't have guests or you did have guests? No. So basically what we, what Barbell Shrugged did was instead of releasing a show every week, uh-huh. they released a show every day uh-huh. on their, on their, on their platform. And like every Monday was real chalk. Every Tuesday was barbell shrug. Every Wednesday was this other. So we were all on the same podcast and there was a podcast being released every day. So they were getting like seven times the content of normal and they would just pick who they wanted to be part of their collective. They called it. Yeah. And so essentially what happened was like, as chalk started getting more, more successful and stuff like a lot of my workouts and stuff were getting kind of intertwined with what they were selling. And it just kind of got like a conflict of interest. So I had to leave, but, um, it was cool. I really liked it a lot. And I, I just, I wish I still had some of those episodes on, on my podcast, but it is what it is. Because but I've never really gotten nervous before. No. Okay. Cause when I go on other people's podcasts, I'm, I'm usually like dreading it up until the moment. Cause I don't want to like talk about myself. And then, but, but when we do these podcasts and this is, I'm actually noticing it's going away. It's actually getting the more Brian and I do the more it's going away, but like 10 or 15 minutes before it's a podcast start up in my head, like the rehearsal of the questions. And, and I, I'm just, and I'm just like, God, I fucking hate that. Like, I don't want to have any of that going on in my head. I just want to sit down turn it on. But you don't have any of that? No, not really. Like, I, I remember I used to I used to prep a lot. I'd, I'd fucking I find out. Prep like crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would find out, like, your favorite color. Like, I want to know everything. You have, like, a freckle on your inner thigh. Like, I want to know every single thing that I could possibly ever find out. And yeah. then now I'm just like, I'll figure it out. Like, I could just do it on a whim now and, and bring up great conversations and great questions and you just sometimes 
The toughest thing ever is when you get someone on who asks you to be on a podcast and they never talk. They're just like, oh, Ryan, so what's your story? And you start talking and they're supposed to like chime in at one point and be like, oh yeah, like I would talk to someone who said this or blah, 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 blah. Or like in my life, this happened. Like there's like, they just like sitting there listening to you. And then you're just like, well, dude, there's, there's nobody else on this podcast. I'm basically talking alone. Yeah, I know. We just had Cody Anderson on. No, no, I'm just joking, Cody. I'm just joking. <laughs> I'm just joking, Cody. Um, it's funny. There are some people out there that I want to have on who I think would be kind of tough and that it would be tough to extract from them. But I kind of am up for the challenge, too. You know what I mean? Kind yeah. of like it's kind of like that 90 minutes you do on the assault bike. It's like, okay, fuck. Like, what if I could get something real out of this guy? What if I could, yeah. like... What if we could, I could connect? Um, Dr. Um, Nick had something really that I really like. I mean, he has a ton of cool stuff on his Instagram, but one of the things he said is he said, people can only meet you as deeply as they are, you know, intimately aware of themselves. And that kind of gave me a relief because sometimes I feel a little bad, like, hey, man, this, this person's just so superficial. Like, I can't, like, we're not connecting. But then I realized maybe that's just where they're at. Like, yeah. Some, um, some people, some people just don't like to open up at all. You know what I mean? Like you can ask me anything. I, I remember on one of my podcasts, I did a, I did a Q and a podcast where I just answered everybody's questions and someone asked how big my left nutsack was. And I measured it right on the show. I was like, fuck it. I don't care. Like, <laughs> <laughs> how would you measure? How would you measure? It was tough. It was tough. <laughs> and there's a lot of temperature factors, you know, like it could be hot. It could be cold. I had to measure both. I had to do both. <laughs> cold cold balls are the cold balls are the best you know so i mean i think if i think if you just don't give a fuck i think it's just it's such a better way to live i feel like people how did you get to that place way. how did you get to that place fuck i mean i've had enough things happen in my life where what's the point i mean any, anymore i mean I just, I feel comfortable with it. I mean, growing up, my mom is a complete, just, she curses every other word. She, I, I, I didn't grow up with a dad, obviously. So like my mom would always ask me like about girls, like when I was like starting to hook up with girls and stuff, my mom would just flat out be like, did you get a blowjob from that girl? <laughs> like, did, oh, like, shit. like, I'd go down like oh, in the, in the I'd like, go down in the basement with the girls. Like we had like this, like little, like cool area with the pool table and stuff. And I'd try to go down there. And then like, I'd come up the stairs and like, my mom would ask me like right in front of the girl too. Like you getting a little bit down there or what? Or like whatever. And they're like, or I'd be like, no mom. And she'd be like, well, why wouldn't you? Are you fucking pussy? And then like, like basically like stuff like that. So like, she was always crazy. Like I had uncles and stuff that were super funny and ridiculous. And we were just always around like dirty jokes and just like things being totally okay with whatever. And I think it, I think like that, and then all the things that's, ha that's happened to me, like what else more could I feel like you could think about me when people already thought so many things about me? Was there a like moment the where you murdering the judge thing? Like people thought I was in there's people to this day that still think I'm insane. And they meet me and they're like, wow, you're actually really nice. I'm like, no, it's, <laughs> it's, it's funny you say that, you know, Dave gets that a lot too. People are like, we'll meet him and be like, oh my God, I thought you were an asshole. It's really, you're, you're actually a normal person. And it's like, yeah, people take these snippets of your life and like, 
and, and put them under this scrutiny like they're better than that or that they've never done anything like that. No, it just wasn't captured. I know you did something crazy this morning in your house that if the whole world saw, we'd hate you. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, what, what is in this? I have a million questions, but I, but we're going to wrap this up. But what? Because it does fascinate me when people are set free, and it, and it's clear that you you've embarked on the mission of setting yourself free, and that you appreciate it, and you probably don't want to go back. Was there a rock bottom for you? Was there a spot where you were just like, okay, like where you felt it just come off your back, like okay, I can't do this anymore. I just have to be myself. I just have to. I have to be free. Hmm. I I, remember, I know my rock bottom spot for sure was when I was sleeping on the couches and I remember I really couldn't sleep at night because I just had all this anxiety about the next day and I would just be like, well, like what the fuck is the point of tomorrow? Because like I don't have a job. I'm not going to the CrossFit Games. Like I'm going to go work out all day tomorrow and I'm going to like go steal some food from the grocery store and whatever and like and in my past i was a helicopter pilot and i was a fucking olympic athlete and all these crazy things and i'm nothing right now and i'm not doing anything with any of these things and i remember just like for weeks i think i would sleep like two three hours a night i cry a bunch of like at night just like because i just thought my life sucked and i i feel like i didn't deserve it and that was the rock bottom for sure um but then the gym that I was going at, there was a guy who coached there and he just had this insane personality. He just always was like, just always had dope energy. And I knew that he was tired as fuck. And I knew that he didn't have a lot of money. And I knew that like, he didn't have to be the way that he was in those moments. <laughs> um, I'm going to look here on my phone for a second. Cause I wrote something about, about this. Did you, I wrote did this, you, I wrote this last ahead. night. Sorry. So I wrote Please. skill, your skills and passion will always be your secret to your true success, but your energy will give you the opportunity to display it. So what happened to me during that time? It's so funny that you're asking me this question. It's like literally what I was thinking about last night. So what happened to me during that moment was the energy that he's putting out is making me happy. And I'm a giant piece of shit right now. So like, how else could I affect other people by me just changing the way that I'm going to present myself to everybody? And from then on, I, I tell everybody all the time, people who follow me for a long period of time, they know that this is the one thing I always talk about. And I always just say, you should have the best energy in the room. doesn't matter if you're the smartest person in the room, the most confident person in the room, the shortest person in the room, the tallest person in the room. It doesn't matter who you are, but if you have something about you that makes people want to be around you, you are going to be presented with way more opportunity than anybody else. People always have something to say about, I don't understand why that person is so successful. I don't get it. I'm smarter than him. I have, you know, better qualifications or I this or I that. I'm like, yeah, but person's kind of cool, right? <laughs> like I kind of like following him. I kind of like some, there's something about him. They always say there's something about that person and it's the energy that they put out. And I don't want to be like hippie about the energy. It's just that, I mean, there's, you ever meet like someone who's even whether you're religious or not, you meet someone who's just like so content with like their faith where like all of a sudden 
you just like being around them. You're like, fuck, this person just makes me feel good. Yeah. You're just like, yep. they're just, they're so happy. Like I, I want that. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like there's people like this in our lives and if you're just really good at podcasting, fuck you. I get on podcasts sometimes with people. I'm just like, man, that person was so good at asking questions. Like the conversation flowed so good. And if Thank someone you. ever asked me, yeah. But if someone ever asked me like, Hey, whose podcast should I go on? I'm automatically going to think of like my favorite ones. Right. And like, Hey, which gym should I go to? You should go to Ryan's gym. Like he's great energy. Like it's amazing. Um, or like when I wanted to open my own gym, like I didn't actually tell anyone I wanted to open a gym. Someone asked me if they could give me money to open a gym because they knew that I was going to put the best energy out and they knew that I was going to put the best version of myself out there. And they knew I was going to like die if, if it wasn't going to work. So I think people can feel this and they, and it just creates an insane amount of opportunity. The best photographer I've ever known was, was not one I would recommend to anyone, but I would take a photographer who is 50% of his quality, but who's cool as fuck and be like, that's the guy you want to hang with. Someone asked yeah. me yesterday, what's the most important thing if I want to get into the video space? I'm like, be cool as shit. Don't tax the fucking subjects. Be chill. Just be cool. People just want to hang out with cool people who make them feel at ease. That's it. And, and one Dude, of the worst photographers I know is the most successful. Yeah. I get people bonuses who give me, who, who charge me too little. I'm like, cool. <laughs> you did an insane job. Here's an extra, whatever. And they get what they probably should have charged anyway. I do that all the time. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why you don't tax the wealthy because the more you fucking tax them, the least they're going to do that. The least they're going to do that. Fair. Sorry. I had, I had to interject that. Yeah. Yeah. It was just like the, 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 the I fucking get into it. I'm gonna get yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of things you can get into when you, when you start going to that stuff. Oh, I just, I just, this fucking fake want to help people and just hurting people when you're trying to help them. Just nonsense coming from the media is just. Um, I have this whole list of other stuff that I would love to get to. Um, you're welcome to. I mean, I, I got time if you want it. <clears throat> I don't. I don't have time. I got three little boys. Oh. Um, yeah. So we're, I'm going to take them to striking to class today and then to the um, skate park and then to all the millions oh. of things I keep them busy with so they don't end up in jail. Tell them to stay away from the girls with nipple piercings. And I will. I will. Boys, <laughs> stay away from the girls with nipple piercings. <laughs> My four-year-old waved his fist at me. <laughs> <laughs> how, how, how long would you how, what's the longest podcast you've been on uh probably like three hours oh oh <laughs> I can't do it. I had 90 minutes i'm looking at right now at a minute an hour and 45 i'm like oh too long yeah too long i was I on mean, one it really podcast depends. Was, it depends where you go with it like sometimes it's worth three hours and sometimes you're just you're just blabbering you know like i think most of joe rogan's could probably end an hour and a half sooner <laughs> i haven't listened to a lot of them but a lot of them seem like i i like them to get going pretty fast i like yeah to i like, want to get into it yeah yeah like in the first 30 seconds how big is your left nutsack yeah my um, my, my business partner in the gym made myspace uh, and wow he's, he's a very very wealthy man and very very smart he's helped me with a lot of things and he created something right now where you guys are going to start seeing it very, very soon. It's called Clipper 
And basically what it does is you can embed it into like this podcast. And depending on what you wanted to get out of the podcast, it will summarize it and give you all of those points. And it'll give you like the one minute clip here and the one minute clip here, one minute clip here, one minute clip here. And it'll just give you everything that you want to know. And then the rest of it you don't have to listen to. And then like, it does the same thing for like Skype meetings. Like instead of you being there for the whole meeting, it'll highlight everything that you needed for your job position and whatever. And it'll give you all the voice bites and summarize it in written form. And it'll give you that. So you're done in like five minutes instead of being on a one hour Skype. Have you it'll seen like, this in operation? Yeah, it's insane. It's all, it's all AI, like all artificial intelligence that just, it learns over time. They've been building it for like two years now. And, uh, it's going to be, it's going to be insane. Like you can embed it in anything and it'll summarize everything for you. You don't ever have, to, it gives you the cliff notes of everything that you'd ever want to put it into. Like you can, you can do like a South wow. by Southwest conference, like uh -huh. a whole weekend conference and get all the, the nuggets that you want out of it. Imagine like if you did a podcast and like, let's say, let's say Ryan did a podcast and it was an hour long and this software summarized it in 30 minutes. So you're like, Oh, that's pretty good. And then I do a podcast and it summarizes it like in 18 seconds. <laughs> like, it's like just a big old fuck you to you. You know what I mean? And I'm in 60 yeah. minutes. Seven didn't say shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it's cool um thank you very much i think there's a lot more to talk about um uh i wanted to get into canola oil for sure uh, <laughs> I, I canola oil and the vaccine are very similar <laughs> i wanted to talk about your relationship with uh dorian fitness lonnie i want to ask you about supplements um let me ask this one real quick because someone dm me this i don't even know what this shit is burb bur Burb, berberine, berberine. Is that a supplement? What's what's Ryan think I'm about not, berberine? I'm not really sure. Oh, good. Maybe I'm pronouncing it wrong. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but at least I'd like to talk about how you got into helicopter stuff. I'd like to talk about the guy you met um, on your Montenegro to Croatia um, journey. That was a great. That that sounds like that's a great hitchhiking story. I was curious if you had fat clothes. Um, no fat. I clothes. Could, no, you don't have fat clothes. Do you? Do you I have fat, fat clothes, Brian? <clears throat> I don't even know what that is. Oh, my whole yeah, yeah. You've been trying to put weight on your like whole life. So, yeah. yeah, my whole wardrobe is like that. My whole wardrobe. What? What's your waistband, Brian? Thirty-one. Okay. Yeah, mine's mine's probably around thirty-one. But uh, but I yeah. always like to have a few thirty twos around in case something weird happens. In case I eat too much. <laughs> Get like a. <laughs> Excessive blood flow on the waist down. I got to have a 32. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm 155 pounds and I'm five foot five. So, and how tall you're five foot five and how much do you weigh? You're 175, 180, 175, 180. Yeah. So you have probably like 20 to 25 pounds more muscle than me, but recently I've stopped shaving. And because this neck hair is growing down, people have been DMing me, telling me that I look like I'm getting fat, but I'm like, Hey, yo, Ooh. I'm, I'm lean and mean, but this, this, but it's worth the sacrifice. <laughs> um, I promise you the next time uh, we have you on, we'll get Brian's recording working properly. Um, and uh, thanks for being here. Of course. Appreciate it.